Uh, if you've got your Bibles, grab them out and you win $500. So who's got a Bible this morning? You win, okay, find some, if you just find somebody, they'll give you $500. I don't know who that will be, but just shoulder tap them. Oh, this world of... Di- some of you didn't even know you could get a printed Bible. You're like, hey, can you actually get Bibles in paper? It's like, oh, yeah, you can. All righty, let's get into it. This morning, twas brillic and the slithy toves did guile and gimb... Sorry, that's the Jabberwocky. It's been a while since I've done this. All right, here we go. Come gather round. Listen to a legend story about a space, a space Viking. That's the God of Thunder. That's Thor, the movie. Sorry. Again. Got so many different things up. Here we go. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. That's the one. We can do this. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but did not burn up. Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over, look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. God said, I am the fa- God, the fa- God your father. Sorry, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen. Lord, as we gather around your word this morning, and for the first time for us as St. Luke's in 2023, we just pray that always your spirit would bring things to life to us, that you'd meet each of us where we're at. We all come with similar stories. We all come with vastly different stories. We all come with similar questions. We come with vastly different questions. But we thank you that your spirit is working and that you meet each of us. And so, Lord, may people be enlightened and encouraged and edified and challenged to be who they're called to be every time we open your word. And always, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. I was going to start the year with a little mini-series. We are going to start this year with a little mini-series called uh, Perspectives and Paradoxes. Perspectives and Paradoxes. And I I thought I didn't have any paradoxes for you this morning, but I do have a paradox for you, actually. I thought I was just going to share some perspectives, but I've got a paradox as well as a perspective. Uh, So we're going to do that for the next couple of weeks. I was going to call the series Motivational Speaking, Part 1, 2, and 3. But I'm allergic to motivational speaking and break out in hives, so uh, it kind of put me off doing that a little bit. But more and more, as kind of you grow as a pastor and you go through different seasons and learn different things, I'm more and more aware that I am a motivational speaker more than I would like to be a motivational speaker. Uh, but hopefully I'm an anti-motivational speaker or a subversive motivational speaker, one that can't... You've heard it said, but maybe God would have us think about it like this, and so it's kind of an anti motivation, or at least in terms of the way of the world. Not that you shouldn't dream big dreams and have great goals and do great things. I just think we live in a world that gives us enough do great things and dream big dreams. So on Sunday, maybe we can be motivated to become more Christ-like rather than to do more amazing things. And so realizing I am more and more of a motivational speaker than perhaps I wanted to be, uh, at least a subversive and counterculture kind of one. Um, over the Christmas break, we were camping in Ahi with some friends, and at one stage, I don't know what it was, maybe there was some controversy in a board game or something like that. There tends to be controversy in board games when you get friends together. And uh, 
one, one of the, my friends said, uh, oh, well, Joseph can sort it out. He's the leader, or he's our leader. And uh, we all laughed kind of thing and chuckled away. Um, but I have very little sense of being a leader, uh, very little sense of being the leader or a leader. Uh, and certainly, I, I don't think I am your leader. I think you are your leader, and you need to lead your life and sort some things out. Don't look to me to lead you. I'm not going to lead you anyway. We, oh, other than here, we just come here each Sunday. I'm not taking you anywhere else. So I have very little sense of being a leader. I mean, running a church or leading a church or being a pastor in a church, you do lead in one sense. Um, but mostly I see my role as somebody that uh, attempts to bring to life, uh, attempts to draw your attention, uh, attempts to paint some sort of a picture that captures your imagination, that captures your heart, that captures your spirit in terms of other ways of being in the world and other possibilities for your life. And obviously these other ways of being and other possibilities are, are anchored in Scripture are anchored in our faith, are anchored in the, the life and person of Jesus Christ. So kind of rather than a, a leader, I see myself more as somebody that's just trying to capture your imagination and offer you some possibilities, and maybe you could lead yourself in light of those possibilities. Uh, alternative ways of being grounded in God's plan for human flourishing is revealed in Christ Jesus. So, so that's the kind of subversive motivational speaking, bring to life some other possibilities and let you kind of lead the way there. Um, but I like the way Walter Brueggemann puts it more. He calls it engaging one's prophetic imagination. That's better than being a subversive motivational speaker. I like the idea of engaging one's prophetic imagination. Uh, if I had the resource to design my perfect kind of workspace in a big cubicle in the backyard, uh, in the early days of being a pastor, I would have wanted to design a study. Uh, sorry, I would have wanted to design an office. Definitely would have won. I was a young pastor and we're just starting out and I needed an office to organize things and administrate things and plan things. And, and so you need an office to be productive and to make things happen. Uh, I, over time, I, I kind of changed and grew as a pastor as I matured and did some learning and realized I don't need an office. Who wants an office? Offices are horrible. What I need is a study. And I need lines of bookshelves ever and big leather couches. And, and I don't know why, but I needed rich mahogany. I don't know what that is, but you, I definitely needed rich mahogany and whiskey with the lid off just to let the aroma kind of come out and spill a bit on the rich mahogany every now and then. Just to, I needed a study, definitely needed a study. And then I finished my doctorate and I don't, you know, I don't ever want to go back into a study again. And I've realized that if I had my way, if I could design my perfect kind of 40-foot container in the backyard, what I would design would not be an office and it would not be a study, but it would be a studio, a creative space, a space where you kind of, that allows like the distractions to kind of fall away and be creative and to, to be present to kind of a fusion of an office and a study, but then more of a creative space as well that allows you to kind of work out how do we bring to life that which maybe the Holy Spirit is whispering that that should be passed on to others, a, a kind of creative space uh, that feeds one's prophetic imagination, where I can try and capture and, and creatively and carefully bring to life that which I feel God might be speaking, um, that which calls us into an upside-down kind of kingdom, an upside-down way of being, uh, that which the Spirit is speaking uh, to the deepest spaces of our lives that might call forth the best version of ourselves that might call us to new adventures of faithfulness in following Christ. So you see there's this shift of perspective in regards to pastoral work. 
Uh, to speak of prophetic imagination, to imagine speaking that which God might be whispering, well, that's a big call in itself. That, that invites some fear and some trepidation. So there's some lovely passages in the text about you know, those that teach the word being judged twice as harshly. So that's a delight just to keep you on your toes. Um, but, but that's the kind of the sense that, that comes alive to me. Uh, and that's certainly the mystery that is this idea of a church and pastors and then a congregation that kind of gathers together. It's been happening for over 2,000 years ago, uh, for over 2,000 years, that, that there'd be a church building, but that a church community would gather, but that a pastor might, and amongst all the other things we do on a Sunday, that a pastor might speak. And then somehow in the mystery and the muddle and the humanness of all of that, every now and then it might be a burning bush moment where somehow it felt like we were on holy ground and that God was speaking and there was something being whispered that was the thing that needed to be said, that needed to be whispered. It's been happening for a long time. Um, Not because church is more or less holy than any other place, Uh, And not because God is more in church than any other space. The whole earth is filled with the Lord's glory. It's not not that church is more holy and God's more here than he is at the cafe. But rather because there's an invitation for us to be more here than we are when we're at the cafe. There's an invitation for us to be more present and more attentive and more aware and more intentional about what it is that we're doing as we gather together. So it's not that anything different here in terms of what God's doing in the world, but maybe we might be different when we come and we gather. Or at least we might try to be more present. Uh, All of us have a checkered history in regards to this, pastors included. Uh, We don't always come expecting to encounter God uh, or even looking to encounter God. I'm suspicious that often enough we come hoping not to encounter God talked about that in Advent. The angel of the Lord turns up and says, fear not, I've got good news for you. And we think, how many of us would love that? And I was like, I know the right answer is yes, but if I'm honest, no. I've got got everything nicely ordered for 2023. I know what's happening. The calendar's set out, and they have an angel of the Lord turn up and say, fear not, I've got good news for you. You're going to have a baby. It's like, I didn't plan on having a baby. I'm 62. I don't want a baby, or whatever it might be. We have this idea that we'd love to encounter God, we'd love to have God speak to us, but I'm not sure that always, I mean, if there's a test, we know the right answer is, yes, I'm a Christ follower, I always want God to speak to me. If we're honest, I like learning about Jesus, but like to also have some margins, healthy boundaries. I don't really want an angel to show up and speak to me, certainly not from a burning bush that might demand something of me. We have a checkered history. So we come for all sorts of reasons. We come because we want to see our friends, uh, or to be seen by our friends. We come because maybe we want to make a friend, or meet a friend, or a spouse. Uh, We come because it's a a habit, it's a tradition, it's an obligation, so we come on a Sunday. Maybe we come to be entertained, maybe sometimes it's entertaining. Maybe we come to be encouraged, maybe sometimes it's encouraging. Maybe we come to be edified, maybe sometimes it is edifying. Uh, Maybe we come because our belief in God is enough that we think we should turn up because God probably tracks attendance, you know? Maybe there's just, just enough suspicion that if there is a God, He probably tracks attendance, so I'll, I'll turn up. That, that could be a reason. Come because we know there are people that do track attendance, so we might come for that reason. 
come because at times we don't have something better to do and maybe we'll enjoy what's happening and it might be, might be good. Sometimes we come and we pay attention. Sometimes we come and we're bored stiff and our mind wanders. It's no different to sitting in a waiting room or on a bus or in a dentist chair. Oh yeah, he's going to wax lyrical for 35 minutes. That'll give me a chance to think about the grocery list and some other things we've got to do. And before you know it, he was saying grace and peace and we all went, all went home happily ever after. Moment to be disconnected. Maybe it's uh, leave having had a moment to feed our fears and our anxieties and our worries and to write a, go- a grocery list while we tune out. Because everyone thinks we're taking notes, but it's oh, tomatoes. <laughs> Eggs. They're more expensive than ever. Eggs. <laughs> Maybe we leave having a moment where we escaped our fears and our anxieties. Come because it ticks the box of religious obligation and it alleviates a bit of guilt. Maybe we all have a little bit of guilt, and by coming to church, we can kind of tick off a little bit of that guilt and then go home, carry on. Maybe sometimes we come because we're beautifully compelled to worship God, to exalt God, to humble ourselves before God. Maybe we come for that reason. Maybe though we still don't want to encounter God, we just would rather exalt God and humble ourselves. Lots of different reasons. And churches, of course, are come-as-you-are communities. So if some of those reasons, if the, you know, if the hat fits, is it the hat fits or the shoe fits? Look, if it, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So, you know, it is a come-as-you-are community. So if some of those things resonate, come as you are. We're, we're St. Luke's, we gather at the table however we are. It's come as you will. Perhaps, though, there's maybe one way that we should try not to come. And that's my challenge in this first Sunday, my perspective in this first Sunday. Maybe we should avoid coming casually. Of all the ways to come, maybe we should avoid coming casually. These are just dictionary definitions of casually. Maybe we should avoid coming unconcerned. We should avoid coming without premeditation. We should avoid coming in a desultory manner. I haven't seen that word before in all my word hunting. Shouldn't come without purpose or enthusiasm. We shouldn't come without care or thoroughness. We shouldn't come irregularly. That's one of the, version, that's one of the definitions of casually, irregularly. Shouldn't come without commitment. Again, one of the definitions of casually is, is oh, it's just without commitment, it's just casual. Maybe that's Maybe that's something to be avoided, though, as Christ follows. Oh, we, we, we come as we are, but we should try not to come casually. Not that the opposite of casually in this instance is seriously. Not, no one needs to come seriously. It's going to be hot for the next four or five weeks. Wear shorts and a singlet. It's like, it's going to be hot. Or a suit, if that is what works for you, but it's going to be hot. So it's not that the alternative is to come seriously, stern Sunday morning face-on kind of thing. It's just... It's intended to come attentively. The antidote to casually in this instance is not seriously, but the alternative perspective, the invitation is to come attentively. To come attentively. We should come attentively for perhaps we're about to have our own burning bush experience. And to miss it would be a great loss. Come attentively because perhaps you're about to have a burning bush experience. And to miss it would be of great loss. 
here's a contemporary reappropriation of Exodus 3. So not a, um, not a, um, what, what is it? Not a paraphrase, but a, a total reappropriation of Exodus 3. Janine had been out for an early Sunday morning run in a coffee. Her and her husband Jethro were ducking into farmers for a look-see and parked on Devonport Road at the top end of town. They noticed a sign pointing to St. Luke's, a church in an upper room. There the angel of the Lord appeared to her in flames of fire from within a church. Janine saw that the church was on fire, but did not burn up. Janine thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the church not burn up? Surely the church is more relevant in the world than ever. I would have thought they're all gone. I thought they had all passed away. When the Lord saw that Janine had gone over to look, God called her from within the church. Janine, Janine. Janine said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your Birkenstocks, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. God said, I am the God of all creation, the God of your grandparents, of Tony, who works across from you, and of Jacob, the barista, who you know at the cafe. At this, Janine hid her face. She was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen. So it's not a paraphrase. It's a total reappropriation. What a strange sight that this church has not been consumed. What a strange thing that after 2,000 years, this church is still there, this thing called the Church of Jesus Christ and all its local forms here, there, and everywhere. What a strange thing. I mean, the Roman Empire is gone, but the church has somehow prevailed. But what a strange thing that people would still come to church in the 21st century. I will go over and have a look. Why why does this church still there? I would have thought it had been consumed by now. What a strange thing. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen. For, what the, uh, for Moses, what the Lord had indeed seen was the misery of Israel, enslaved in Egypt. Who knows for Janine, though, what it is that, and if there's a Janine here this morning, I tried to pick a name. Of, I don't think we have a Janine at St. Luke's, but if there is, definitely a word of the Lord for you this morning. <laughs> Who knows for Janine what, the word, what it is that the Lord had indeed seen? Who knows what it is for you and I that the Lord has indeed seen? or what the word of the Lord might be in regards to that thing that indeed the Lord has seen. It simply might be, it might be as simple as a reminder that, you know that thing? That thing that you're navigating at the moment? Just so you know, the Lord's seen. Indeed, the Lord has seen. You just, you just need to know that this one. The pastor might not have seen. Maybe you wanted him to notice, but he wasn't paying attention. Maybe your friends haven't noticed. Maybe your spouse is unaware. Hey, Just a little reminder that indeed the Lord has seen, the Lord sees, the Lord knows, the Lord understands. Maybe it's just as simple as that. Maybe it's that thing that you didn't want anyone else to see or notice, and you're glad that the pastor hasn't noticed or your spouse hasn't noticed or your friends are unaware of because you're just trying to figure it out. That's all right. Indeed, the Lord has seen. The Lord would bring words of comfort and love and grace and mercy in the midst of all. There might be a burning bush moment, and who knows what the Lord might say. I don't know what it is that the Lord might say. I'm just trying to do my best to capture your imagination and stir your heart and get you to consider alternative, alternative possibilities. I'm a generalist. The Holy Spirit is the specialist that comes alongside. I'll talk about a burning bush and the Lord's scene, and I have no idea what that might mean for you. But the Holy Spirit comes alongside as the specialist 
And who knows what it is that in this moment you sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about this morning. You have to be attentive for that. You can't come casually for that. You have to be attentive for that. Attentive in the prayers that we pray, because it's not just the sermon. Attentive in the songs that we sing. Attentive in the scripture that's read. Attentive in the sermon that's preached. But attentive in the coffee and the conversations that you have after the sermon. Because you just don't know what the burning bush moment is going to be. I came, I came attentively. I didn't come casually. I came attentively. And Caleb didn't realize it, but when we were having coffee afterwards and he said that thing that was super encouraging, man, I felt like that was God whispering to my heart. Oh, man, I put a lot of work into the sermon and Caleb didn't even realize he said something that was profound. Yeah, because this whole thing's a mystery. But if you come attentive and if you come not casually, then who knows what it is that you might whisper to somebody that trumps the sermon and all the songs. What's the thing that that person needed to hear? I promise you, at some stage or another, you'll discover that the ground you stand on is holy and that God is speaking and that indeed the church on occasion as we gather together is a burning bush experience. I promise you that you'll discover that. What I can't promise you is that next Sunday will be the one, or the one after, <laughs> or that like you definitely need to be here on the 5th. The 5th is going to be amazing. You don't want to miss that Sunday, I'm telling you. So you adjust your calendar, you're there on the 5th, and by the end of it, you're like, pretty sure I could have missed that one. <laughs> I, I can't promise you what will be the burning bush Sunday. I can just promise you that you'll discover them and you'll experience them along the way, but who knows when that might be. When pastors do say you need to really be here next Sunday, you probably don't. Mostly you could probably miss that one. And the one after. Probably the next one too and still be fine. But you can't just come to two or three and hope to have a burning bush experience. For want of a better way of putting it, for want of a better way of putting it, you kind of got to hedge your bets. <laughs> you maybe want to be at 40 out of 52. And if you're at 40 out of 52, maybe there'll be six or seven of them, or two or three of them, or maybe even just one. That was the burning bush encounter that you needed. That changed the course of your life in a way that you could never have imagined or predicted, and certainly in a way that the person preaching or the person leading the songs or the person that was talking to you over coffee would never have guessed. It's been like that for 2,000 years. It's been happening like that in the church for 2,000 years. Sometimes pastors over-promising. But better that we just come attentively. And you just don't know when you'll have that moment that is the moment that you need it. It's a beautiful dilemma. And it's the paradox that I didn't realize we were going to have when we started the sermon. You really don't have to be here. You really don't have to be here. And you really can't afford to miss it either. It's the, the two things that are both true at exactly the same time. You really don't have to be here. If you're going camping this weekend, go camping. You're awesome. You really don't have to be here. But more generally, when we speak of Sundays, well, you really don't want to miss them either. Ah, it's a paradox. Two things that are totally true at, at, at the same time, and yet they contradict each other. 
you kind of got to commit to the church as a healthy gathering, and who knows, maybe there'll be that burning bush moment. As you come present to one another and attentive to God in all that we do on the stage, but in one another as well. Let's stand. We're going we're gonna to have communion together, and I'll say a couple more things as we get ready for communion. Exodus 3, verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen. Indeed, the Lord has seen your church attendance. No, no, no. That's not, that's not the word of the Lord, that he's seen your church attendance. No, it doesn't work like that. I watched Avatar, the way of the water over the break, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The Navi, they speak to one another in, in reverence, and they, they say to one another, I see you. They have this thing where they say, I see you, I see you. And it, it exists in different cultures around the world as well. It's, it's I appreciate you. I respect you. I, I reverence you. I, I, I'm so grateful for you. I love you. I, I kind of understand a little bit of your story. Don't, you, it's, to, it's to know and be known. I, I see you as more than just I see. Oh, I, I see that there's Steve down the back. It's more than I see. It's like, oh, I see you. And I see something of your story and something of your journey and something of the complexity that you bring into, I see, I, just so you know, you're seen. You're seen. I think the word of the Lord, in amongst the other things that I'm trying to bring this morning, is I have indeed seen you. That in 2023, the Lord would say, I, I've seen you. I've seen your tears. I've seen your fears. I've seen your worries. I've seen your goals list for 2023. Seen your anxieties. I've seen your hopes. I've seen your doubts. I've seen you. I've seen you. And you're dearly beloved. You're dearly beloved of God. I see you. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. This is a good verse to start the year with. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and light. The Lord says, I see you. Come, keep company with me. I'm not going to lay anything ill-fitting or heavy on you. Come walk with me. Keep in step with me. Show you a rhythm that is freeing and light. And that's good news for today. Whatever else the Holy Spirit might be speaking to, that's your job to discern each Sunday. Each time we gather to discern over the rest of the year and to discern in the highways and byways and the nooks and crannies of life as well. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who takes off his shoes sees. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. Every bush Every common bush afire with the things of God. The, the, the voice, the presence, the spirit, the, the, the whisper of God in all the spheres of life we find ourselves in. Church is this place, though, where we come to be more attentive and to be more present. So the table's being prepared this morning. We've got one here at the front, one down there at the back. Not the table of St. Luke's, but the table of the Lord. Made ready for those that love the Lord a little and those that would like to love Him more. For those that have followed faithfully, for those that have tried but failed, there's always space at the table. Come not because of your own goodness, but come because of the goodness of God.
Come and discover the tree of life rediscovered in the cross of Christ. The one who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Come to where heaven and earth overlap and receive the love, the grace, the mercy, the kindness, the goodness of God as your own this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Please come. Table here at the front and one down at the back. Don't be shy. Just come in a disorderly manner. And then pause and be still as you take communion this morning.